Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. This is the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series. That's right. The postseason is back. The AL wildcard game was tonight. The Red Sox beating the Yankees by a score of 6-2. And we're going to be instantly reacting to that game as well as previewing the now set ALDS between the Rays and Red Sox. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and our first set of guests tonight for the start of the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series. We've got Danny Russell. Hey, boys. Darby Robinson. Hello, everybody. And making his return to the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. It's been a while, but Brian Menendez. Hi, friends. What's going on? Brian Menendez of Baseball Perspectives. Hell yeah. Brian Menendez. <laughs> yes, yeah, br- that's, yes that's congratulations, me. Brian. You know, you get it at, at, at BP. Thank um, you. Thank you. Boys, let's let's talk about this game tonight. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I know we went into this game hoping that neither team won, uh, but from the first pitch... I just found myself rooting for the Red Sox. I'm not allowed to say that, am I? I'm yeah, you probably that. shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, you live. Up uh, there, so. You already get enough. You already get enough uh, erroneous uh, claims thrown your way. So I, I can't throw any fuel on that fire. I do live yeah. in Boston. Uh, yeah, I mean, for for me, when Xander Bogarts when Xander Bogarts hit that two run home run off Cole, I think it was. Uh, the first or second inning, I, there was something primal in me that just was out of control with excitement. And I can't explain it. Um, but I had every intention of being completely neutral, uh, when this game started. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up, I ended up wanting the Red Sox to win. And, uh, I don't know if I'm happy or not that they are, but that's just what was in my heart. I just, wanted, I just, oh, yeah. I mean, out win. of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and my mouth is speaking. Oh, it was so delicious to see Garrett Cole just lay one, lay a big fat egg. That's the wrong phrase. Doesn't a, laying an egg also imply like a zero? That's that's he, a goose egg. That's, that's a goose egg. Goose egg. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to mess up my metaphors here. We're no, off a strong is, start. No, I wanted Garrett bad, Cole to, yeah. to suck tonight, and he did. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why I appreciate that a lot. Uh, reason number one, the $324 million contract. Reason number two, he had to shave his beard when he joined the Yankees. Reason number three, he sounds like Kermit the Frog. And reason number four, the reason why we have the sticky stuff ban that led to Tyler Glass now getting injured this season is large in part due to maybe 15 or 16 pitchers who went a little bit too far down the road of using sticky stuff and it caused a problem for everybody. And one of those dudes may or may not be a starting pitcher who got lit up tonight. And it was, it just made my heart happy. Yeah. I don't know if I was rooting for the Red Sox as much as I was rooting against the Yankees. 
I think that was the big key. And so by 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 comparison, the other team, it is a binary choice. So the other team uh, ended up getting my support tonight. Uh, I think the fact that the Rays went into the to the Bronx, they took two out of three, nearly swept them. And the reason the Yankees are playing in Fenway tonight, or sorry, played and are no longer playing baseball in 2021 tonight in Boston is because of the Rays. So this was the Rays one last time, basically helping to eliminate the Yankees. They put them into a very, I mean, hot crowd. That was a lot of Yankees fans there too. The, the, the Rizzo home run was probably equally as loud as the Bogarts home run on TV, which was wild. Mm. Uh, but, but that was a very hot crowd and that's a tough place to play in Fenway and the Yankees had to go on the road. Cole was not up for the challenge. He was off very early. Probably, you know, his hamstring injury is hurting him because the command was not there. The fastballs were fine. It was just the command was terrible. Ter- his That changeup to Bogarts was the fattest pitch I've ever seen any pitcher. Like that was the juiciest home run pitch you could imagine. And I home feel like Xander baby. will never, ever get a pitch better than that. Yeah, I, I tweeted out that that might be the most hittable pitch that Garrett Cole has ever thrown in his career. It would, I, Xander Bogarts must have thought it was a watermelon when it was approaching home plate. Like that was an 88 mile an hour, you know, and, and there, there's a difference between like, you can have a good 88 mile an hour fastball, but when you throw an 88 mile an hour changeup, we're talking about slower spin rate. We're talking about visible drop. Like, that was just a bad pitch. It was middle, middle, and Bogarts hit it a mile, as he should have, as any major league hitter would. And Brian, you're a you're a collegiate pitcher. If you could please uh, put yourself in, in the mindset of Garrett Cole. Let's say you're an ace. You're in an ace mentality. You go out there. You already suck tonight, and you know it. How do you throw that changeup? How does it even happen? Um. Honestly, I think he was probably just trying to be too fine as opposed to trusting his stuff. When a pitcher throws a pitch that bad, you know, in my experience, they're trying to, they're trying too hard to throw to a spot Hmm. rather than trusting the movement or trusting the velocity or whatever it is that makes a pitch great. They're trying to put it in a spot. um, And I think that's why that particular pitch went awry for Garrett Cole was because I think he was just trying to be too fine with that pitch and he left it way up. Um, and Garrett Cole made some good pitches too, that got hit that, that fastball that Schwarber hit was a fastball above the zone that, um, Schwarber just put a really good swing on. Oh yeah. Schwarber was Um, sitting fastball. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think that particular pitch to, um, Bogarts was a pitch that, Oh my goodness, Garrett Cole will take back 10 times out of 10. Like there's there's no world where that's a good pitch. If we're being forward looking to, I'm I'm also upset at Garrett Cole for making Xander Bogarts like seem like a hot hitter again because he's been terrible over the last couple of weeks. Uh, if memory serves, and he's one of their better hitters. So I really didn't appreciate uh, Xander Bogarts suddenly warming up. Is there any doubt in anyone's kind. is there any doubt in anyone's mind that Garrett Cole is, is not still hurt. That hamstring's not still barking. He looked uncomfortable. He looked out of it, really, from the jump. And those last couple starts he had in the regular season, he didn't look like a normal Garrett Cole. That makes sense. I mean, uh, this is the yeah. end of the baseball season. Everyone's hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it would it would 
it would be tough for me to say without really analyzing the video, but um, he, his command was definitely a little bit off more than, I mean, Garrett Cole's got such good stuff that his margin of error is a little bit higher than a lot of pitchers. Um, but tonight, I mean, it just didn't seem like he was just making good pitches. And I think the pitchers that he, the good pitches that he was making were predictable. Um, and I think like those two, those two factors together were, were really the reason why I think he just, he just couldn't get the results that he wanted tonight. You know who had an objectively funny night at the ballpark? Uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, he hit two, just, you know, the first one was a big towering shot. It wasn't hit super hard, uh, but goes off the, like, really like the middle of the monster. Would have been a home run probably at a bunch more parks. That turns into a single as he watched it. Uh, the second one. He, <laughs> For sure one he did. Maybe the best hit uh, in a long time. 114 off the top of the deepest part of the ballpark. Uh, that one ends up with a single, moving to second on the throw, a throw that, Aaron Judge was then tagged out at home, played on, uh, and re- really was the chance for the for the Yankees to get back into the game. Then he gets a solo home run in garbage time on a line drive around pesky pole. I mean, that is an objectively <laughs> funny night for Giancarlo Stanton. The the home run too was a little bit more of the cheapy. Like that was right, the exactly. that was the gimmick ballpark uh, taking or giving, and the gimmick ballpark taking away for the first two. Uh, yeah, that first one which by the way, you have to go check on, on Twitter if, when you're listening to this, because John Sterling has an all-time classic <laughs> confused call. He calls a home run and then is like, why is there a guy? Why is he standing on first? What did I miss? Um, which uh, yeah, kind of a mess. Wait, no, Darby, that's, that's not, that's not, uh, that's not an exaggeration. John Sterling literally called it a Stantonian home run. Stantonian and then he goes, Oh, yeah. he's standing on first base. What did I miss? <laughs> You, you know, as a, a as a broadcaster, a as a broadcaster, I you know you sometimes a fly ball is hit and you're like, oh, this this has a chance, but you usually realize uh, before the play has already been over for a few seconds that it was not indeed a home run. <laughs> yes, that one again live. ESPN has like the crazy loud mics right at right at home, so like it sounded it. it to be fair, watching on the broadcast, it looked like it was going to be gone by a mile. It actually turned out to be not a, really that hard hit, especially by Stanton standards. It was like 94, 95 mile an hour exit velocity. Um, but yeah, off the wall only was at us at first. So that was a huge, huge momentum shift there for the for the Red Sox to have this monster home run taken away thanks to the monster, which again, I've seen a lot of Yankees fans online on Twitter complaining about the monster today. And listen, I'll agree. It's it's a really old dumb gimmick, but guess what? Your new stadium has a bunch of dumb gimmicks. That left that right or right field wall is basically a 250 foot like little poker. So come on, let's let's be honest. No, I mean, glass houses. Yankees fans get no room to complain about the monster when the right field porch exists. Number one, and then number two, you did it again, Darby. To your point, you have a brand new stadium in 2009. This is not a stadium built in 1912. Like Fenway Park is right. so zero excuses from any Yankee fan on Twitter. Get out! But of that here. so that that second one though, absolute laser shot, and honestly, off the wall, that could have been a tough one to get to second just because he hit it so dang hard from Stanton. But, from Stanton, but that send home and that relay and this that inning could have been that was sort of the game right there in a lot of ways because you had Nathan Avaldi who we'll, who'll get to. Was, was brilliant, but then he hits the third time through the order, which he has been really, really bad third time through the order uh, for his career. And first batter he faces third time through the order, Rizzo, monster, home run, hits him hard. Next batter, infield single for Judge. So hard to say that was anything that Evo did there. Then Stanton 
he gets pulled, which again, I think great move by Cora, smart move. Pitchers have it until they don't. And you can't really just go by the eye test. But then Stan hits that that shot off of the monster. And suddenly you might have had you could you were very close to having a three-three ball game where the Yankees were dead in the water, and suddenly they would have been right there, tied. And now you have Boston's bullpen having to survive a tie ball game. But instead, it's off the monster. So now your home run's gone. And then suddenly, Judge, out of nowhere, is running home. And he's out by 35 feet. Like the ball beat <laughs> Yeah, I haven't, I, haven't, uh, I haven't watched the video back, but there was one tweet I saw where they said that Judge like pulled up slightly because he didn't think he was going to be sent. And then he saw that he was getting sent and he had to. I haven't, I haven't watched the video back, but I did see a tweet that said a that. A little so bit like that, what happened with Kevin Kiermaier and Rodney Lenares the other night. Which ended yeah, up maybe. You know, becoming a whole big thing. <laughs> yeah, but, but any, anyway, like on the other side of that, I did see some tweets that were also saying that like it was a good send because they had to make a perfect relay and a perfect throw. But like I saw, I saw a screenshot where Ploiecki had the ball and Aaron Judge wasn't even in the frame. And Aaron Judge is not a small human being, but right. there was like there was an Aaron Judge between Aaron Judge and Kevin Ploiecki when Kevin Ploiecki caught that relay like it was there was a lot of air <laughs> there's a lot of space it, there. it's an aggressive send when there's not very many outs and just from like a traditional baseball perspective right when there's not a lot of outs on the board i don't think you send for home very aggressively so i actually believe that maybe stanton pulled up a little bit like if i were a base runner in that situation i'm not anywhere close to a professional athlete but i probably would imagine we're playing it safe and i'm hanging out at third so I had not heard that explanation yet. And that that does resonate for me. Regardless, though, <laughs> even if he had pulled up and then started running again, you expect him to make it. The dude is massive. And, you know, Judge isn't slow either. Like, he is a cheat code in, in most video games. I don't understand why he's out at the plate. Ridiculous. That, that one, too, was it was a yeah. good relay. It wasn't a great relay. Uh, the throw in is like was it was bounced. And so it was a really it was kind of a tough grab there on the infield. The throw home was solid, but like that was not the most perfect. It was definitely not KK to Adamas to Darno type of relay. This was a little bit of a more shaky relay to get him by that much when you don't have a perfect relay. That's a bad send. That's on Phil Nevin. That's yeah. That's, if, if it was yeah, if it terrible. was a bang bang play, I could buy the it's got to be a perfect throw argument. But it wasn't even it wasn't even close. It was more like bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, before we transition into the whole ALDS preview, I want to talk very briefly about the Yankees, very briefly about the Red Sox, and then we'll we'll move into that. Uh, the the Yankees this this season, I think, by their standards and what their fan base expects, will be seen as a failure. You get to the wild card game in a season where they expected to win the division and compete for a World Series. There was pressure on Aaron Boone throughout the season. Uh, do you guys expect the Yankees to make a change or make multiple, you know, big time changes going into 2022? Um, are you talking about Aaron Boone specifically? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's within the realm of possibility. I think it's been, uh, I think the pandemic has been a really weird time for Aaron Boone generally. Uh, he did not strike me as one of the managers in baseball who was able to essentially manage for like the first time close to that and then like manage through ambiguity and 
imbue any level of confidence in that he knew what he was doing. Like I, I mean, it is he's not baseball's best manager, so it would not surprise me if the Yankees made a change with Aaron Boone. I also don't think Aaron Boone is the source of all of New York's problems, Definitely. and I very rarely am the one to say, "Oh yeah, surely you just need a coaching change, and that will totally fix that." Andrew Velasquez is your shortstop. <laughs> so, yeah, the I Yankees mean, will be making moves. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd be surprised with either outcome. I think that the Yankees generally underwhelmed this season, but I also think that the Yankees didn't do enough this offseason to put the best product on the field that they could have. So, I also wouldn't be surprised that I wouldn't also wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Boone gets one more year because there's. There's a lot, there's quite a lot that the Yankees could add this offseason. And I think if they do add some pieces, um and it's the results are still not where they want, I think that's I think that's when Aaron Boone is his job is really uh uh you know in danger. Um, but I think as far as this offseason goes, I wouldn't be surprised either way. But the the Yankees also have so many good players that are hurt right now. And I I mean that objectively, Luke Voigt. Uh, has a knee issue. DJ LeMahieu missed this game because he had a sports hernia like two days ago. Uh, Aaron Hicks had wrist surgery in May. And so your center fielder becomes 38-year-old Brett Gardner when that absolutely should not be happening. You just picked up Joey Gallo. I, I If you swap out, say, Gardner and keep Gallo or something, like, like you already have a pretty decent base to build a Yankees offense around. The- I will say I've never been a big Boone fan. I actually think he is one of the, the, I think he's one of the top bottom tier managers. I think he actively does hurt the team in a lot of ways, but I do think like Brian makes a great point here in that I actually think Cashman did a terrible job this past off season and this regulars in the, in the trade deadline. I, I do think Cashman deserves quite a bit of blame. He did not address a lot of the pretty big glaring flaws of the team that lost in the ALDS last year. And that really hurt them right now. I mean, they had, yes, there's certain things you can't plan for, but they re-signed DJ LeMahieu, and he was not good this year. He was a average player. He kind of regressed back to his kind of career norms in Colorado, and that hurt. At the deadline, when they got Gallo and Rizzo, they then didn't manage like they got two additions. They basically managed like they got platoon partners. They still had Brett Gardner out there in center field for a lot of the regular season. They had Voight or Rizzo playing and avoiding Stanton in the field. If you're not, if you're going to get a guy like Rizzo that, and he becomes just a platoon partner for Voight, that really did take a lot out of that lineup. You don't have to worry about two bats. You had to worry about one. Both are great, but if there's only one and then you only see Voight for like one pinch hit, on the small side of a platoon, that's not good enough. And because of that, they were facing one game away from having to be in a one game elimination in a 163 against Toronto. And they could have been eliminated before they even made it to the playoffs. So I, I honestly think if the Steinbrenner boys do feel a pressure to make a move, I think it does come down to Brian Cashman's been around and he actually has success in New York. Boone does not. And so I think you go, you make a move to satiate the uh, the 
wild New York media masses and the fans. And <laughs> Boone is the red meat that gets that gets fired and buys Cashman one more year. And then if they don't if they don't make a run next year, then I think Cashman's gone too. Now I think that's just going to be potentially a self preservation type of thing, unless the Steinbrenner brothers are just sort of content to say like we're printing money. So if you stay under the luxury tax, do whatever you want to do. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, don't believe um, for a second that Cashman is, is on his way out the door, but go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Uh, in, in 2019, there was, there was a narrative that um, because the Yankees had all of this position player depth, I remember there were people who were saying that like what the Rays do with pitching, the Yankees are doing with position players. And you look at like the guys who came out of the woodwork on that team, Mike Talkman, Mike Ford, Gio Rochella, Cameron Mabin somehow had a really good year. Luke Voigt came in towards the end of the season and caught fire. The only player from that team that was a factor this year was Gio Rochella. So a lot of that depth really evaporated. And those guys graduated to not only getting everyday at bats, but they needed to have everyday at bats. You know, Mike Ford was, was essentially cut by the Yankees. Mike Talkman was traded, but he largely wasn't very good. Um, so I, I think that, I mean, yeah, like the Yankees had all this depth in 2019, but it largely wasn't there this year. And like when those guys went down or they needed that bass from somebody else, that depth just wasn't there. They didn't have those, those players coming up. And that's why that, you know, a normal, like any other team wouldn't have Brett Gardner playing the majority of the center field innings, but the Yankees had to, because they didn't have anybody better, you know? So that's that. That's kind of what I mean. But like when I say that the Yankees didn't do enough this offseason, doesn't mean that they don't have a talented roster. It's just that like they didn't replace the depth that made them so good in 2019. And as far as I can tell, on the position player side, they don't really have anybody that I know of coming up the pipeline that's going to give them any sustainable success in the future. So, I, I mean, if anybody disagrees, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, as much as I am in, in reveling in this schadenfreude and would like to drink Yankee tears with you guys all night, uh, I, I really talk about <laughs> the Red Sox and then really how this game is going to affect the ALDS, which starts in a couple of days. Um, okay, Evaldi, Brazier, or Brazier. Or wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, for one, Brian, the obvious answer to your question is the Martian because they have Jason, Jason Dominguez coming eventually. I, but you're probably meaning in the next couple uh, minutes. And I do I do want to embrace what Darby and Brian are both saying about what if like you just put Joey Gallo in center and then make Stanton play in left field. But maybe that leads to another J.D. Martinez situation where you put your D.H. <laughs> in the outfield and he trips over second base and sprains his ankle and then can't play in the playoffs anymore. Um before we start talking about the Red Sox rotation, though, can we please talk about uh, uh, two things? One, Nathan Eovaldi having a fantastic night, and I still having the warm and fuzzies for him dating back yeah. to when he was the leader of the Rays rotation. And then uh, two, uh, how much AL East managers really love pulling their pitchers early. But yeah, well, which one well, of those that, do you want that, to talk about first? No, that's that's exactly where I was going. So you see Evaldi go five and a third. He had eight eight Ks, uh, no, walks, no walks, just the one earned run. Then no walks. Brazier, Tanner Howe, Conzel Robles, and Garrett Whitlock. Uh, Total 11 strikeouts and no walks. You look at the other side, the Yankee side, nine strikeouts, seven walks. Watching Alex Cora manage that pitching staff 
not only when he pulled Evaldi, but seeing how those guys came in, those really those last three, Hauk, Robles, and Whitlock, that's that's a really dangerous pitching staff. And if Alex Cora knows what he's doing and when to put them in the, in these games, really those three, because I know Robles has had you know an up and down season and an up and down career, um, but he's got the stuff. He's got the ability to to be a really good reliever. And my biggest takeaway from this game, from a Rays fan's perspective, is oh wow! Like you talk about the stable, the Red Sox are putting together a stable of their own. Um, some guys that are starters turn relievers, and some guys that are just locked down in the late innings. Are you? Are you? Were you guys impressed by by Cora and the Red Sox pitching staff tonight? I was impressed. I was very impressed by Ivaldi, and I'm very glad that the Rays only have to face him once. That's really big. Maybe, maybe, maybe if they don't sweep. If they don't oh. sweep, he shows up once. Yes. I I think with Avaldi, if you have him like lined up for game one and game five, that's a that's a tough, that's a tough matchup. But him having to go today and shut down the Yankees is huge. Uh because Nasty Nate was on it. He throws strikes. He doesn't let batters like kind of wait around. And he has great stuff. He also uh, they they talked about on the Statcast pot um Statcast uh broadcast, which is the far superior broadcast for ESPN. And they talked about how he will also like mix up his deliveries too, which a lot of power pitchers usually will not do, which gives you like another wrinkle. Like you shouldn't be able to throw upper nineties and have a wake a breakout and wipe out breaking ball and throw in some Nestor Cortez, like weird, funky stuff. Save that for Nestor Cortez. He needs that. You don't need yeah. that Nathan, but that just makes him a little bit better. So big ups to Nathan Avaldi. We still love him in Ray's nation. Uh, he, really has done a great second half of his career after coming back from, from some really devastating arm injuries to, to be, you know, probably the best version of himself right now. Uh, that bullpen, I will say, I'm very impressed by Tanner Hawk. I think he is really, really good. He is really, really filthy. I think they have some okay pieces in the rest of that bullpen. I'm not, well, oh, really just I'm, okay. Whitlock and oh, okay, so Whitlock aside, okay. Whitlock yeah. aside, Hansel Robles has emerged as a legitimate high leverage pitcher for the Red Sox and how they use him. I think he had like two saves over the weekend. I mean, the, the results speak for themselves. I'm not saying I'm afraid of him. I am saying it is a decent bullpen. You have Adam Ottavino, who we did not see. We, we What was that? Nick Pavetta is in there now as well. Pavetta's in there, Ottavino's in there, Ryan Brazier's in there. Uh, uh, and, and actually, Richards. no, 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 no. He's not who I wanted to Richards. say. Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes is who I was thinking of, who is yeah. the other piece there. Where I, I think you actually have some pretty decent pitchers that are in there and can give the Rays fits. I will say when it comes to managing one day, when you're when you're doing a playoff series of one, you do approach how you stack your bullpen mm-hmm. differently, right? I mean, personally, I did not expect to see Tanner Houck tonight because if the Red Sox won, I thought he would be the game one starter. So to see him get burned tonight uh, in a short appearance, I don't know if that takes him off the table. I don't know if that pushes him out to like game three. But he threw 15 I, pitches. Uh, yeah, so maybe that's just a bullpen day. for. He's for been him. working short a lot, though. So I don't know if he has the, the, the buildup. Yeah, he's been working mostly two, two three innings. Until that last game against the, the what Nats, am I thinking of with Tanner Houck? I thought he was going to line up. Hold on, 
he he he's been working a lot of like Colin McHugh, like, like uh, two to three, you know, kind of using him as a fireman bridge guy. He did have a, an amazing perfect five against the Nats, but like that was really stretching the ups and downs. I was did. looking at the pitching rotation and the schedule, and I thought he would he would line up as a pretty decent. Brian, what did you out. think of Evaldi tonight? Oh, I thought Evaldi was. I mean, he was as advertised. I mean, he he the stuff was great. Um, I love how he was, as you said, kind of not only throwing well, but disrupting timing. I mean, you like when he was quick pitching, I mean, you can, you can visibly see hitters having fits. Like they could not, they could not time him up. He threw one bad pitch to Anthony Rizzo. And that was really, that was really about it. Um, he was fantastic. And, um, and I think, I think lost in the shuffle of, you know, the narrative of this big game, everybody was talking about Garrett Cole, you know, the world has completely forgotten why Nathan Avaldi is still with the Red Sox and is on a four year, $68 million contract is because of how well he pitched for them down the stretch in 2018. And in and the world series and in the world series. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and Nathan Avaldi led the American league in fan graphs war better than Garrett Cole, better than Robbie Ray. So I know that he's not going to be in the Cy Young discussion because, you know, the ERA was a little bit bloated, but that's, I mean, by, by at least that metric, he's the best pitcher in the American league. So we shouldn't be surprised here that he came, he came out of this game as the better pitcher. And I do want to say, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to underplay the, the Red Sox bullpen. I'm just, I do want to say that I think there are people comparing, if you're comparing it to the Yankees, I, I think it is a less intimidating bullpen just in terms of that. I mean, I think you have, yeah. I would say besides, besides Hauk, I don't know if there's another pitcher on that, the Red Sox that I would say is better than Loizaga or Holmes. Or even Green and, Chat- or Green and Chapman. Green and Chapman have had their struggles, but I think those guys are more in the better version of a Robles or Barnes. Like they're yeah. the, the peak version of those guys. Whereas, if those guys ever got, if you got, if you had Chapman get hot, then suddenly that's, you know, a top five closer. It, it's great. Like the Red Sox have a lot of these multi-inning guys out of the bullpen, but you also have to have guys that can throw four five, six innings. You know, you have to have starting pitchers, or even if they're not starting, you have to have guys that can give you that length. And if you've got, how can the bullpen? Do you have to have starting pitchers? Well, well, no, but I'm, you know what I'm saying. You can't have Tanner Houck pitching two innings every game, and then all right, now what do we do? Yeah, those two innings might be great, but you do need length. In my Houck defense, though, uh, he has 13 starts this year, so I and they have been using him as a starter down the stretch. It's weird. He's been mixing up like they. He was a uh, he was mostly starting in August, and then sometime around September, they kind of started like. I think to like cycle back his innings because he had, he went he went five innings then three point two then four point one then two point two one point two two, but he's uh, still been on like a rotation. Let's 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 yeah. let's think well, about how grateful we are to face the Red Sox instead of the Yankees bullpen. Though I think that's that is a good place to camp out because on the whole, the Yankees are a more intimidating pitching staff, like top to bottom. Does does yes. does F yes. War? hold up for that as well <laughs> it, uh, it does yeah I yankees so. yankees pitching yeah. yeah so the yankees are here not because of their offense they're here because of their their pitching right like well, it, it is we i think we think of the yankees as it, it, it is yeah it's totally i don't think you can really think of the yankees as not the bronx bombers and you have judge and stanton and gallo and rizzo 
but like they they were pitching that lineup half of that lineup was you know Higashioka and Brett Gardner and Gio Urshela and like people were begging online to, to, to get Rugnet Odor and Tyler Wade into the game like that's how desperate Yankees fans were they were saying like why aren't you pitch hitting Tyler Wade yet and it's like what is happening here to the Yankees offense but that pitching is great and like for a good section of the game after Boone got uh Boone got Cole out you did see that Yankees bullpen really tighten down the hatches and and kind of compress this game but yeah, I think it, overall, the Red Sox, Cora's going to have to do some really good managing, I think, to make sure he gets enough pitching each game. And and it's going to be there for him because there's now more off days. And I think you can use like Pavetta and Garrett Richards and right. Pauk as either short starters or like piggyback guys or kind of do a lot of the things the Rays are famous for in that short series and suddenly kind of cover up and not have to rely on Robles Barnes and Whitlock to like cover seven, eight, nine every single game. Let's take a deeper um, dive. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Sorry. I'll just say one more thing. And this might be a hot take and you guys can roast me if you got, if you want, but um, I think that what the Red Sox lack in, you know, star power and top heaviness, I think they make up for in tactfulness. Um, So I think, you know, we may, we may like this matchup from like a talent standpoint, but I think in some ways this might actually be a more challenging series, but I don't know. I mean, you guys, that's a good question for the room. Who would you rather face? I think we should go down the line. Who would you rather face? Would you rather face the Red Sox or the Yankees? Even knowing that the Red Sox is the opponent. Let's dive into that after a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, the floor is open. Danny posed the question, who would Rays fans rather have faced and who would you guys rather have faced if you're the Tampa Bay Rays going into the ALDS? Danny asked the question, so we should go first. Uh, uh, I am quite grateful to be facing the Red Sox instead of the Yankees for many reasons. For one, uh, the Yankees offense was heating up, so even though I agree with you, Darby, that uh, the Yankees pitching is what got them here. I am legitimately scared of facing Giancarlo Stanton. Like the dude is the hardest hitting hitter in all of the major leagues, right? Uh, the I felt like the potential for the offense of the Yankees to wake up was far more intimidating overall than when I think about the Rays pitchers facing off against uh, the Red Sox lineup for one. For two, um, Tampa is a Yankees town, not a Red Sox town. So... Uh, I would much rather uh, the the crowd not sound too divided when it comes to uh, what's going to be uh, filling up the the remaining seats in Tropicana Field. Fingers the crossed for a sellout as we speak. I, I mean, I, I certainly hope so. Mind. I mean, you you assume it's the 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 Boston Reds that's left. Yeah, yeah, nosebleeds. Yeah, getting filled in. Um, also, the Red Sox are just inexperienced. If you look at their lineup tonight, do you know who the oldest player was in the starting lineup for the Red Sox on offense? 
So mm-hmm. not counting Nathan Eovaldi, who would be the oldest. He's Kevin 31. Plowecki, Kevin Plowecki, is Plowecki. at there age 30 is the oldest member on the Red Sox. And I think everyone else is under 30. Uh, wait, I, this is easy to look up. Hold on. Kike Hernandez is 30 years old and uh, 0.1 on fan graphs, 30.1. So he just had his 30th birthday as well. So there's that's the other 30-year-old. Everyone else is under that. And although Xander Bogarts has been around for a while and Rafael Devers has done it before, like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence in the, the team that they've assembled, especially if J.D. Martinez is out. Then you're depending on Christian Arroyo and Bobby Dahlbeck being in the starting lineup, like, what what are we going to be afraid of here? I almost wanted to make the argument today that in a one game playoff, losing JD Martinez might be a net positive in terms of what you can do with your defense at that point. Sure, and I know he's still you know one of their one of their best hitters, but if he's healthy and ready for the ALDS, you know either him or Schwarber is going to have to play the field, uh, and and that could that could hurt Boston. Yeah, it's a it's a clunkier team. It's a more inexperienced team. So I, I'm, I'd much rather be, be facing Boston. And I've right. said why I don't want to face the Yankees. It has nothing to do with, like, on-field play. I just can't stand playing the Yankees in the playoffs. It drives me insane. But the last time we played the Red Sox in the playoffs, it was 2013. So I don't really remember what that felt like. I was in, like, freshman year of high school, I think. Don't do that to me. Don't, <laughs> no, no. I just but, gained, like, uh, six great hairs. It, it, it is exciting, and I think I really want to dig into that now. First time in eight years, raising Red Sox in a five-game series, starting Thursday night at the Trop. I'll be in attendance. Um, Shane McClanahan versus TBD. But when the game was finally over and the process that the Red Sox won, what what were your guys' thoughts? Wait, did anyone yeah, I, disagree with my hot take? Hold on, hold on. Boston yeah, well, all the way. Yeah, we want to face Boston. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to chime in here. I I, I don't know. I I think I think. Uh... I think I'm indifferent. I think I could flip a coin and that would be my answer. Honestly, like I, okay. GT. You know, <laughs> um, I, I would say that I don't want to face the Yankees when, when I say that it's more because like, I know, I know Garrett Cole just had a bad game, but like, I don't want to face Garrett Cole more than I don't want to face John Carlos Stan and Aaron judge, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But also with the Red Sox, I mean, like, I, I think everything you said, Danny, people could say about the Rays too. So like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I like, I don't know if I'm buying into all of that. I, I think that, like I said, I think that they're just like a better managed. I don't think there's a huge value between Boone and Cora, but I think that because they are a better managed team, I think it, I think it makes up for what they may lack on paper versus the Yankees. So I don't, I don't know if I'd rather face either one of them. I, I do think your point about John Carlos Stanton in particular is very valid. Like even today we were kind of not really clowning him, but like clowning the situation. And he still had the three, like three incredibly hard hit balls. One left the park, two left every other park in baseball. So he's really good at, if he makes contact, it goes a long way and very violently. So yeah, he's scary. There's also judge. There's also Gallo. There's, the, the good part of that lineup is very, very good. And so you don't need a lot of offense with their pitching. And that could be scary. I definitely don't think the Red Sox are like a pushover in any way. And I, But I kind of want to face them in general. And I think I just was thinking about this throughout the day, game and kind of 
justify why mentally and emotionally I was happy to see Boston beat up on the Yankees tonight. And I think it was because that Boston had been the team the Rays were chasing up until they took command of first and never let it go. They have been the team that was in first or second for most of the season. It wasn't until kind of late in the season they kind of fell apart. They kind of regressed a little bit. They didn't fall apart. They regressed. And they had been running way ahead of their skis now. They kind of kind of came back to the mean. And, but they were still a pretty good team as, as assembled. And they were still one of the better teams in the American League East. They had less of the big fatal flaws that the Yankees and the Blue Jays had that put the Blue Jays and the Yankees chasing both of those teams for so much of the season. And that consistency is kind of nice. And so I, I, I do kind of feel like this is a nice opportunity. The Rays beat the Jays last year in the wild card round. They beat the Yankees in the ALDS. They've taken care of those two teams. They've proven that they have been better than those two teams last year and this year. This is an opportunity to fully definitively prove that they're also better than the Red Sox and sort of stake their claim as the top team in the American League East. And so to be the best, you got to beat the best. So let's give let's bring out the last of the AL East teams to beat in the postseason. And if they can do it, they will have their claim right at the top of this AL East pile. It's not the most analytical argument too, as well. It's like, I have similar to, to Brett's, like emotionally, I feel like they have earned this opportunity uh, more. Um, but there is, I kind of mentioned already the analytical argument. The, the the pitching is is thin. It's it's tough to get all of those outs that they're going to need to cover each game. And in a longer series, that can be kind of tricky. Adovino's good, but he's had, he's had his issues down the stretch. Robles can be really good. He can be really, really rough. If, you are looking at the Rays bullpen and you're kind of nervous about JT Chargois or Andrew Kitcher has given up a couple of home runs, or you're kind of worried about that. Look at the Red Sox bullpen and go, oh, okay, yeah, never mind. This is what bullpens do. And these guys aren't, haven't been as successful as those guys. David Robertson gives up a big inning. Just watch some Hansel Robles tape and go, oh, okay, never mind. That's what, that's how bullpens work. Uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be a good series because kind of what, Brian mentioned was that I do think Alex Cora is a much better manager than Boone. And so I do kind of look forward to also the, the chess game between cash and Cora. Right. What was your question? <laughs> well, I mean, McClanahan, well, let's, let's go through the Rays rotation. Let's move it over to the Rays. We've talked a lot about the Red Sox in the Yankees, uh, but we had to um, Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz, and then hasn't been officially announced um, but multiple people reporting that it's likely to be Drew Rasmussen for game three. Um, I know Drew Rasmussen isn't a rookie officially. He threw like a handful of innings last year and lost his rookie status. But this is a starting pitching rotation in the postseason of all rookies. How incredible is that? It, it's astounding. That? I mean, we're here due to injury and it's astounding. Um yeah, they but really lightly, just one lightly used. I mean, really, just one. Yeah. Like, if you think about the injuries, yeah. I know Archer was injured a lot, and, and and Walk has been up or down. But really, the glass now injury is the only major injury the starting rotation has taken throughout the season. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the the rest of the rookies just emerged, right? But they were also targeted acquisitions by the Rays. Um, Shane Boss years in advance. But then Rasmussen and uh, Ampatino. Well, even Rasmussen, when they drafted him out of Oregon State, like that was a guy they wanted for a long time and, and tried to get him a few years ago. That's true. 
I mean, it, I didn't it, know that it's yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was drafted <laughs> and then uh, the race couldn't work out like a medical <laughs> issue. And so uh, he opted to, to not sign. And then uh, the race traded for him later. <laughs> so they got a white How whale that? Uh, in, in a sense. So they tracked Rasmussen a long time. Yeah, I, it's essentially an all rookies rotation. And I hope that the various broadcasts that have research capabilities far advanced beyond our own um, find like some kind of clever way because the rookie eligibility and blah, blah, blah comes in. But like maybe fewest number of starts among a starting rotation. They had zero the major league or... starts before 2021, combined zero starts in the big leagues before this year. Yeah, so I guess that's the that's the starting point for that. It's wild. It's a bunch of children, <laughs> very talented so, children. So the always awesome Sarah Langs uh, at Slangs on Sports on Twitter had some cool stats about this. Um, Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz starting ALDS game one and two for the Rays. They will become the second team in postseason history to start rookie pitchers in the first two games of a postseason series. Joining the, does anybody know? I don't. The A's in 2012, right? Yeah. Jared Parker, Tommy Malone, and A.J. Griffin did not start, but he also pitched in that. So the other other tweet from Sarah was that only two teams in history have used three different rookie starting pitchers at any point in the postseason. So not just in the ALDS. And that was the A's with Jared Parker and Tommy Malone starting those first two games, as well as A.J. Griffin later. And then um, the 2020 Braves last year with Ian Anderson, uh, Kyle Wright, and Bryce Wilson. So the Rays, Drew Rasmussen will not be a part of that technically, but uh, Luis Patino would be still technically eligible for that rookie eligibility, even though he pitched a little bit last year. So they could potentially join them with three rookie starting pitchers pitching. Uh, Future is now. Yeah, it's wild. Ages 24-22-26. And, and do, does this line up for McClanahan and Boz four and five, or do we think if it goes to a game four, we get a bullpen day or a walk a day or something hybrid? Looking at that, I actually thought like four, and and I know they mentioned uh, or Cash mentioned today that three is unknown, probably Rasmussen, but like kind of seeing how the bullpen shakes out yeah. the first two games, not you know again not leaving all the cards ready to play. I I could see four being a Patino walk a piggyback again we're not going to see these guys for super long into games because they're going to try to shield any chance of exposure because there's now more off days so you can really make sure you get the absolute best advantage of each of these guys but the way walk has pitched i he's going to pitch innings now we mentioned i think danny was on the walker to the pen kind of thing i could see walker being used before as a not not as a traditional starter but as a guy that maybe comes in and gets two innings and kind of is used with Colin McHugh to be a two-inning fireman. Yeah, I mean, I the question has to become which of the which of the starters become your relievers to help bridge the gap to to fix the bullpen issues that have reared their ugly head toward the end of the season. But Brian, what were you going to say? I I think that there is no world that exists where Andrew Kittredge does not start Game Four. I don't I don't know why I feel so strongly about this but I think that he is going to open game four. I don't know who comes and pitches after him. I know it also depends on how he's used in games one through three, but I think that there's no way if you're going to go to, if there's going to be a bullpen game in game four to kind of set the stage for McClanahan to come back on game five, I think Kittredge has to be the guy. 
Um, maybe Colin McHugh close. Yeah, I, I think under my I head, I would say I McHugh would be the cash move. I think I think he would choose McHugh first before. But I do like the symmetry of Shane, pinched, Shane, though. Drew, Drew. I, I like that <laughs> as your four starters. I mean, you'll have the off day before game three, but if you can get through games one and two, and we have to do that uh, with maybe, you know, in the back end, you're using Fairbanks, maybe Whistler gets in there for high leverage situations late in games. And you actually get some length from your starters and you go into a game three or a game four with Kittredge and McHugh, either fully, you know, rested or, you know, pr- pretty, you know, ready to go for a game. You can use them in, in any way you want. They're going to get two innings and they're probably going to be two really good innings and that makes me a lot more comfortable going into this series and and it goes into roster construction we can kind of finish the show with our guesses on the roster um but shane boz i mean three starts in the big leagues we saw how good he was three really good starts yeah even the third one where he gave up a couple of runs still looked really really good i i I am kind of shocked they're using him in game two I'm not not I I agree with the move, but I'm I knew he was going to be on the roster. I knew he was going to pitch, uh, but giving him the ball game too, I think, is a huge vote of confidence. I I think I expected him to be uh, converted into like a one inning reliever the way we saw them use Shane McClanahan last year in the playoffs. Um, yeah, it, it's it's awesome to see him getting the ball in game two, and I think he deserves it the way he's pitched. Um, Michael Legetto wrote a really good profile about him on baseball prospectus. And I'm kicking myself. Cause like, why didn't I do that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really good piece. You guys should go read it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shane Boz has been, my goodness, he's been, he's been incredible. And I think he's the perfect person to kind of experiment with, you know, starting a playoff game because one, you know, the talent is there. Two, you've already thrown him against good teams and he's pitched well. And three, you have the added advantage of nobody's really seen him. So that's an interesting and I think underrated wrinkle about this whole thing is that like the teams that he's going to face really haven't seen him that much. The Shane Boz got to pitch against the Yankees uh, at the end of the season and helped to kind of put the Yankees in Fenway to lose. And that was the AL East team that got to see him was the Blue Jays and was the Yankees. They aren't here anymore. So the Red Sox are going to see him for the very first time game two of the ALDS. I think the fact that they're using him as a starter really shows you how much this team believes in him because Shane McClanahan had a lot of good stuff and we didn't see what was going on in the alternate sites. We don't know, you know, again, it's not the same as Boz who pitched, expertly in double a expertly at triple a and in between he went overseas and played against professionals and and did pretty well against professional ball players from from korea from the dominican from japan and so that like you got to see some really like high level maturity from him there that we didn't we didn't we don't know like that's not just what shane got to see last year but like this is still like this is the matt moore role like this is not the david price role this is the matt moore role the Go out there and win us a game as a starter. We want to throw multiple innings. We want to see multiple looks. We're going to give you potentially two times through the order to carve up this team and shorten that game. And that's a huge vote of confidence in him. And a game two that also sets up the fact that you could potentially use him in a one inning role in a game five if it got that far. 
Like you could, you could essentially throw him on short rest, but in that spot, if again, if that's how everything broke down. That Matt Moore comparison is such a good comparison that I never would have thought of in a million years. I just want to say that. (laughs) Shall we talk about how we, I mean, we'll know the roster probably the last possible minute Mm -hmm. um, that it, you know, before it needs to be submitted. It's usually how it goes with the Rays. Um, But shall we try to guess at what we think? I've got my roster projection pulled up. I know we've done this a couple more times, but now that we're just a couple of days away from the start of the ALDS, I think we, you know, we do it one more time. So we're doing 26 men. 26 men. We know the first three starting pitchers. So McClanahan, Boz, and Rasmussen are all in. No shocker there. Right. Do we want to start with the bullpen, this tricky stuff? Or do we go position players and then go final spots? I mean, get the the position players out of the way because what would you change? Right. From so Zanino and Mejia, one and two. Infielders, Franco, Lau, Choi, Wendell, Diaz, and the kicker, and the one I have on mine, you guys might not have in yours. I have Jordan Luplo making it. Going into the outfield, I have Meadows. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we continue, how how many how many does that put on the bench with Luplo on your roster? So I have a th- um a Do you have thirteen and thirteen? I have a thirteen thirteen split. Okay. Okay. Fascinating. Wait. So that. So who did you drop from the bench to fit Luplo in? From the current roster. Yeah. Somebody. Uh, who do we have on our bench? I don't know. Uh, it's Mejia, Diaz, Margot, and Phillips. And I have that. I still have. That's that's thirteen. A form. Luplo is not on the starting roster right now. Okay. So someone else give their picks. Darn it. <laughs> but that's so, the hard part, right? So if it's 13 right. and 13, the the starting lineup is going around the diamond. Uh, Choi. No, I did do 14, 12. Sorry. I okay. So, okay, and, okay. And that actually lines up. So if we can look at last year as like a little bit of a, and this is with a less, with, with no off days, the Rays with a 28-man roster went with 13 pitchers. Right. So if you're looking at that, that's 15 position players, 13 pitchers. If you have to reduce two, I think 14-12 makes a lot of sense. With off Especially days. in a five-game series with, with off days. days. Yeah. So the outfielders, I've got Meadows, Rosarena, Kiermaier, Margo, Phillips, and then designated hitter, obviously, Nelson Cruz. I, I only put one left-handed pitcher in the bullpen, and this is what the last cut I made for jo- Jordan Lublo. I cut Josh Fleming and had Ryan Yarbrough included as the left-handed pitcher. Right-handed pitchers, Kittredge, Fairbanks, McHugh, Patina, Waka, Robertson, Whistler, and Chagua. Oof. And I almost did that in order of high leverage situations there for the I the right-handed I players. I am on team Dietrich ends. I thought about Dietrich ends for a long time. I had him on I'm, there for I'm a a, I'm dropping Chagua and putting in ends. Getting another lefty on the on the staff. Yeah. And we, and we yeah. don't know like for sure if Whistler's ready to go, do we? Um I'm he's not looked, sure. I know he's, he, he's he done pitched, two he pitched a few innings. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he pitched over the weekend. So he looked okay. He's healthy. He, he looked pretty sharp in the his last inning, but the, we're talking about two innings. So who the heck knows? If if yeah. I mean if we're gonna add in, so JT you are not JT Brian, uh, you cut JT Chagua. Um, it, Darby, do you have another lefty? Maybe ends. Maybe Fleming. Maybe somebody else. I can't. So, Adam Conley could potentially be back if he gets off the COVID IL. So you have Yarbrough in yours. Yes. Okay. As the only and that's lefty. your only lefty. 
I probably, uh, so the Red Sox have, if you're looking at lefties, they have Schwarber, Verdugo, Devers, and then maybe Travis Shaw off the bench. So you have three key lefties that are pretty good hitters in that lineup. They can mix in. Everybody else is right-handed. Shaw off the bench is a, is a, is a good, you know, lefty pinch hitter. I think I would want, I think I'm going to go with, hmm. I I think you could use Waka as your lefty, as your secret lefty, because his changeup is his best pitch. Um, But I think I'd probably go another lefty and I would, Connolly or Fleming is a really tough call. Connolly, we don't know if he's able. Fleming Conley eligible on the, like on Friday or Saturday. I think he can come off with he well, can come off with two negative tests if if he's if he's vaccinated. Which we okay, so so we don't know if he's going to get a negative test or not. Right. So it's a big question mark. But I think Fleming right. because I think I go Fleming because he he can get ground balls. He's your lefty, and he can also eat up a bad game. He can give you a couple innings right. to eat up a bad game. And and they they've already they've already kind of been using him in that role in the last couple of weeks of the season anyway. So I think that was kind of a preview of how they're going to use him in the playoffs. You can I just, use I just, well. I just really, you can, you I just really swap him out. Yeah. I just really like the stuff when it comes to Dietrich ends. Um, I think he's kind of like a dark horse, maybe not a bullpen, but like if you have to take out a starter, like in the fourth inning and you don't want to burn your best arm, I think Dietrich ends is a really good option. Um, I, it, it's really tough. I'm glad I'm not making these decisions, but I really like Dietrich Enns. I hope he's on the playoff roster because I, I think he's just really good. Darby, then which right-handed pitcher would, would you leave off? I have to look, I have to look through the thing. Dave, well, you my question this. is then, I can, I can ask this in the form of a question. Do you think, yes. is there a chance Luis Patino could be the one being left off if you want to add another left-handed pitcher? No. I don't think I so. have Patino on my... And in, in my, I, do too. I think Patino, even if he's just used as a one, two inning guy is more valuable than like Chargois. No, I, I am the bugs bunny meme going. No. <laughs> um, well, the, the relievers we know, the relievers we know will be there. Kittredge, Fairbanks, McHugh, walk under throwing in the reliever category. Sure. Robertson. Yes. And then like Yar- Yarbrough is maybe a lock at this point. I don't know. I don't know if lock. Do you need a lefty? You, you don't need a lefty. One. You do not lead. You do not need a lefty. You need people that can get lefties out, and that's the difference. That's Pete the Fairbanks, difference. Michael Walker. There are guys that can get it done, right? Um, if you have a if you have a dominating changeup, you don't need a lefty. Chad, I mean Chad Green today was used against the pretty much the best lefties that the Red Sox had uh, with Bogarts in between. And the way the Red Sox line it up is usually you're not going to see a couple lefties in a row. You're going to see righty, lefty, righty, lefty, maybe another lefty. And so there's not a lot of opportunities just to use a guy that's only lefty useful. And Devers is not a guy that's like completely flailing against lefties. He can damage a lefty too. I mean, Schwarber is pretty, he can draw a walk against a lefty. He can hit a home run against a lefty. Verdugo is a little bit more of a splits guy, but like you, I don't think you need to have just a loogie. 
So I think you need Yarbrough somebody if you're using a lefty. Like we discussed earlier. He, which, he which was is, yeah, you need as someone who can do mop-up duty. Yeah. 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 And I and I think he fits that role best. He's been stretched out a little bit more than than a guy like Fleming. Um, you know, he hasn't been pitching as frequently, but he he's there t- to do that job and, and to do it like well enough to like keep you in the game if it's only a five or six run deficit, but you still want those innings there. Um but Brian, you had Chagua as you 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 bumped him for for an ends. Uh, Danny, how, how would your pitching staff shake out? Uh, so I mean, the very important question we need to figure out is whether or not JP Fireisen is a real thing. Yeah, I, I had him left off mine. Did any, does anybody think he's? Gonna I'm make it? I'm I'm out on Fireisen too. That was a tough one for me because I really liked him when the Rays got him and he was really good mm-hmm. for a while, but. The way the swings and misses evaporated, and the way the strikeouts evaporated after the sticky stuff ban, I right. don't, I don't know how much I trust him in the playoffs. Um, and actually, I actually, I, I wrote it down. If you guys wouldn't mind, go for it. If I can share my, <laughs> okay. So I have, first off, I have my starter slash bulk, right? So that's yep. Shane McClanahan, Shane McClanahan, yep. Shane Boz, Drew Rasmussen, Ryan Yarbrough, and Michael Walker. Those are like my multi-inning bulk guys. And then I have my five locks for the bullpen. Okay. And those are Kittredge, Fairbanks, McHugh, Robertson, and Whistler. Right. Cool. Those are the five guys. If they are healthy and going at it, those guys I think are locks for the bullpen. Next I have Patino on it. I have ends on it and I have Fleming. That's that's how I think this is going to shake out. You have 13. I have 13. I have 13. Yeah. And that would drop Luplo, I'm assuming, off your that would drop that would drop side. that would drop Luplo, yeah. I feel like Shargwa's in before Fleming. But yeah, I think I think that's a strong roster. I think we're all kind of on the same page in the the the, the hard decision we're talking is, about is how do you make up for a lack of Adam Conley? Because if Conley's there, I think he's a no doubt lock as well. So using the same approach that you just had, Brian, I mean I for the reasons that Brett just laid out, I think it's useful to have Ryan Yarbrough kicking around. I don't think you want to burn Michael Walker in mop-up duty if there was like a weird thing that happened and you know, God I forbid expect Michael Walker gets lit up for seven runs, you know, or something like you need someone that can that can step in and fill the void, right? So if you if you lock those five in the rotation, Patino is a potential sixth, but those five being the two Shanes, Drew, Yarbrough, and Walker. And Patino is six for me. And then you've got Kittredge, Fairbanks, McHugh, Robertson, Whistler. Now I'm up to 11. Conley, I'm done. <laughs> if you're looking for 13, yeah. I throw in Shark Walk. Like, so, yeah, I think that's the, that's my same as I have not, I have nine locks with McClanahan, Boz, Rasmussen, Waka, Patino, Kit, D Rob, Pete, Fairbanks, McHugh. And then there's really much like three, three out of eight. It's length, it's it's grounders, it's kind yeah, of how you, you want to do it. So yeah, I mean, like with the eight, you have Yarbrough, Fleming, and Maza have and ends can all give you sort of length as well as kind of middle. You have Whistler, uh, Chargua, Fire Eisen, and Conley for like the one inning. Conley being the one lefty of those one inning guys. So three out of those eight is who you choose. Cause I I I think Luplo is in my lock. Because because of the fact that the Red Sox have so many left-handers that they're going to need to get le- to that gets out, including Christopher Sale, 
uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I think you have some pretty big lefties that you're going to want Luke Blow in there for. Um, Ryan Brazier. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Luke Blow is very valuable in that Mike Brasso type of role. So I, I would stick with 12 pitchers. And I think it's a really tough. I think the Rays are in a spot where I think any three of those eight are pretty good. And I do think if Matt Whistler is healthy and they think he's there, right. he does move into my lock because I, I, I think that he is the best version of like fire Eisen and shark at this point as a righty who throws a lot of uh, sliders and he's and our Chaz this way. Yeah, yeah he, exactly. he's, he's for sure. Chaz Here's a question um, that I just, here's a question I just thought of. Let's just say that the Rays want a 13 man pitching staff, but they also want Jordan Luplo because he hits lefties. Is there a chance that say Brett Phillips gets left off the playoff roster? I really don't see uh, envision that. The only reason is because Luplo's there to hit left-handed pitching. Brett Phillips is there to play great lockdown defense, and we've seen in big games, Sunday Night Baseball, Kevin Cash did this, it, late in the game, switch to the outfield of Phillips, Kiermaier, Margot. He's going to want to be able to do that in the postseason as well. And on the base paths, Brett Phillips adds, and you've got, you don't have Taylor Walls, so you're looking at the Rays bench, and Joey Wendell's probably going to start you know, three, maybe four or five of these games. Um, if it went five games, so your built your benches, Francisco Mejia, Yandy Diaz, uh, you'll you'll have probably Margot, and then you want a Brett Phillips on there too to provide some some base running help as well. Yeah, you're honestly, gonna, you're, I would see Yandy being left off before, before I imagine Phillips. Brett Phillips. It, it, yeah. I don't think either. I, I don't be. see either. I don't see either, yeah. and mostly because here's the thing with Phillips that's needed because the Rays got Nelson Cruz. It's because. M- Meadows has to now play in the field. And so you're going to want to get him out of the field the <laughs> second you have a lead late in the game. Because to Meadows' credit, want... he's played a lot better out there this year. He has. And when you're in and when you're in Fenway, if if Meadows can like really loot, like you you don't need to have as much. You just have to know how to play the wall. Um, but yeah, I, I think great Phillips he's <laughs> not great either. But that's why I think I, I think because you have Nelson Cruz and you lose that DH flexibility which we kind of mentioned with jd martinez actually you suddenly have that guy that's locked in you now have your kyle schwarber type having to play the field and you have to basically manage around that and when do you take out that great bat for the defense and i do think that's where um he does have a a big role and it's it's a really tricky spot this is a really tough kevin cash is going to have i think he's going to take all of tomorrow as well i don't think that the decision is fully made but i think they probably know about what I, I bet they know it now, will be interesting Luplo, to line up against the Red Sox. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm just thinking now about the Red Sox rotation because you made a good point. You know, it, Chris Sale, I think, lines up with game two of the ALDS yeah, based on, mm-hmm. on his full rest. On full rest. So maybe Eduardo Rodriguez is the one slotting in to game mm-hmm. one. So maybe after so. Rodriguez and uh, Sale, if Luplo wakes up with like a sore throat and a cough. <laughs> Well, that's exactly what I was going to get at, because after that, Eovaldi's probably not ready yet. So then you have the Hout game where they're going to bullpen it or whatever they're going to end up mm-hmm. doing. And then or you Pavetta, get- if they decide to move Pavetta back into the rotation. Yeah, I guess they could. How many pitches is he even throwing? It's very weird. I think Boston's had a very interesting setup where I don't think we're going to have a good... I think it's going to be the exact same thing. With, it looks like they've been resting have, dudes is what it looks like. Rodriguez and you have 
sale as your kind of starters. And then everybody else, it's going to be similar to the Rays, actually. You have your Garrett Richards is in the bullpen. Hauk is some amount of innings. Uh, you have Garrett Richards is some amount of innings. You have uh, Pavetta is some amount of innings. So it's like... Oh, it's Pavetta big... was the starter last Thursday. It looks like he threw almost 100 pitches. He did. And then he came back in against the Nats to get the save. He did. Against, he got the save on Sunday. DC. Yeah. So I think we're going to have a similar thing where it's like, who's the game three starter for the Red Sox? We're going to find out how game one and game two goes first. Does anybody have any last thoughts before we take one more break and then do some predictions? All right, great. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back on the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series. We've talked all about the ALDS and what we can expect from both the Rays and Red Sox. Now it's time for some predictions. Before we get to, like, series predictions and how it's actually going to play out, I always love, like, in the postseason, you have these, like, playoff heroes, and Randy Rosarain is an obvious one, uh, but guys like Brett Phillips uh, and a long list of others uh, just, you know, provide these great moments and, you know, seem to come out of nowhere. And so I want to ask you guys, and I get we'll start with Brian, uh, who is one guy on this Rays roster that you think can uh, step up and be the the hero in the ILDS? Um, I think that so 2019 when the Nationals won the World Series, I just remember that being Juan Soto's coming out party where he was so great and the world got to see how much fun he is and how talented he is. I think that this is going to be that for Wander Franco. I asked Brian to pick an under the radar guy, and he says Wander Franco. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the answer. I like, and I get, I get where you're coming from, and I like the answer. And it definitely feels like it's headed that way. Yeah, Danny, under the radar rookie call up Wander Franco. <laughs> Danny, who? who you got? Uh, no matter. Under the radar to ESPN. Yeah, sure. I yeah. mean, yeah. <laughs> Jarby, your turn. <laughs> Danny, um, so under under the radar, I so this is where I think for the for the whole postseason or just for this next series, just for the ALDS. Then I'm then I'm gonna go with Jordan Luplo. I I think he's a guy that can come through with like like two big moments, two big moments that really swing a momentum or like swing a game. One like big home run off of the bench, or like a game where he takes sail deep and then hits like another double or something. I, I think Luplo could have a big game that has a big impact similar to a Mike Russo who had like pretty much like one big moment, but that was the defining moment. So I I'm, I'm going with Luplo. Danny, you got one yet? I got my eyes on Nelson Cruz, baby. Like Under that. the radar, Wander Franco, <laughs> Wander Franco yeah. and how, Nelson how Cruz. You? How dare you roast me but for my take? I'm sitting over here with Nelson Jordan Cruz. Luplo. And I, like, <laughs> Can I take Nelson Randy Rosarena? Wait, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with under the radar? No, I okay, think you can so run with my this answer. Under the radar pick would be any of the periphery of the bullpen that we were trying to figure out who was going to actually make the roster or not. 
I, uh, I think you can run with the Nelson Cruz answer with the way he's been performing. And I know that's exactly what I was going to get at. You know. He's been one of the worst hitters on the team right now. And part of that, because he's playing hurt. Maybe he's had a couple days off, a chance to relax. Maybe he's, uh, you know, got a couple more TVs that he bought and uh, set up a great <laughs> setup so that he yeah, can watch some playoff big, big techie, Nelson Cruz, big techie. Loves his best buy. Uh, uh, well, the thing is, yeah, Nelson Cruz, I, I was concerned when he had back-to-back off days, even without an IL stint. I'm like, that's just not something that happens in a pennant chase, even when you have this comfy of a lead in the division and for the first seed. Um, so, yeah, he is playing for something. And I definitely think the moments will be there for, for Nelson Cruz. I'm going with Michael Walker, um, who's going to pitch out of the bullpen. I think there's going to be a game. I don't know which one yet where one of the starters doesn't go as long or doesn't look as sharp as you'd expect. And Michael Walker has to come out, pitch two or three innings. He might have to do that more than once in this series and really be lights out. I really liked what I've seen out of Michael Walker uh, these last few weeks. He looks like a new pitcher, uh, the type of pitcher that we were, you know, kind of hoping for when the Rays signed him back last offseason. Uh, so that'll be my my under-the-radar star for for the ALDS. But now, I guess we, we've been going for a long time. It's kind of been two podcasts mushed into one. Uh, but let's give our our series predictions. And, and, and Brian, we'll go back to you. Uh, I'm going to go Raisin 4. Raisin 4. Darby? I think Raisin 4 as well. I think the Red Sox can can win a game in this. Uh, you know, it's it, this series is so close that I think you could get a lot of coin flips. But I think four is a good number. Uh, the Rays have some really good young pitchers that the Red Sox haven't seen yet. I'm I'm excited to see the chess moves, and I think we're going to get a pretty good, exciting four game series. I don't think it's going to be lopsided in any way. I think it's going to be really close. Could go the distance, but let's give us some breathing room and say four. Danny. I feel like it's going to be five, <laughs> but and I think it's going to be raising five. Uh, I do think the Rays come out on top, but I have some concerns about. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I'd be surprised. I would be really surprised. Well, neither do we, Danny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I would be really surprised if if it was a sweep. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I'm expecting the Red Sox to make some noise. I'm I'm expecting to split the first two, and then I'm expecting to split the next two in Fenway, and then it comes back to the trop and that kind of song and dance. Yeah, right? I, I've got Raisin four. Uh, I think they take the first two at the trop. Uh, Shane Boss is electric. I think. Um, uh, game three is where the Red Sox get one back. And then in, in game four, this is when my hero, Michael Waka, throws three shutout innings with five strikes. I mean, I hope so. we're going to have some bullpen shenanigans from the Rays. I'm, I have concerns about this bullpen. Real, real quick, Dan, I, I'm curious. Who do you, what, should we just do a quick general rotation, bullpen, position, bench? Who, who do we give the odds to, Red Sox, Rays? Oh, like yeah. who has the who that's has the edge? Who, just just like things. a yeah, the little the little arrow. That, that's a good way to end it. So we yeah. start All right. with rotation. Rotation. Sure. As, uh, again, with both of these teams being like rotation question mark. Right. So the so for the Red Sox, we're referred to a rotation as being uh, the pitcher formerly known as Chris Sale. <laughs> uh, God tier finally achieved his final form. Charizard Nathan Eovaldi. And and Eduardo Rodriguez, and then Eduardo Rodriguez, who did not pitch last year due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Yes, versus let's go with the Shane, Shane and Drew. Yeah, the Shane, Shane and Drew. Yeah. Oof. 
That's tough. I go with the Rays. I mean, I'm I'm leaning on on the whole on the combined three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also lean the Rays, but that's based on stuff. Uh, the Red Sox have the track record uh, and like the the veteran rotation, if you will, if you're just looking at those three names, obviously. But uh, yeah, I think in terms of stuff in September 2021, I think the Rays probably have an edge there. But they might not in length. <laughs> they might be short outings and then you turn it over to a bullpen. So Ugh. Brian, Rays or Red Sox for the starting rotation? Um. I think it's a, you guys are going to hate me. I think it's a draw. I, I think that uh-huh. the, the Red Sox have more known quantities, um, yeah. but also I, I don't really care about known quantities. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to results, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if Chris sale is better than Shane McClanahan right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if Eduardo Rodriguez is better than Shane Boz right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say that Nathan Evaldi is probably better than them right now, but that's the only person who I would take in a one game, you know, one of those hypothetical, if Chris Russo was here game for your life, your life depended on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would yeah, probably yeah. take, I would probably take Nathan Evaldi, but 100%. I wouldn't take anybody else over the Rays rotation. So 100%. because I give that edge to Nathan Evaldi, I would call it a draw. And, and now I guess we can move into the bullpen where I thought I was going to pick like the Rays, but now, especially out of what I saw tonight and how they use, you know, Tanner Houck, I'm thinking I might be leaning Red Sox for the bullpen. You add obviously Garrett Whitlock and Nick Pavetta, Adam Adovino, Matt Barnes, even Hansel Robles. I'm really starting to like that Red Sox bullpen and or, or I guess I'm scared of that Red Sox bullpen right now. And so I'm going to lean Red Sox, but it's close to a draw. But I'm leaning Red Sox on this one. I'll Jody, call it a draw. Gonna, I'm going to call gonna, it a draw on the bullpen because both are very uh, un, unreliable uh, spots of greatness. Uh, but then, you know, the the most known quantities are are no longer, you know, like the Red Sox. I don't know what the deal is with Sawamura. Right now, I don't know why yeah. he was left off the roster today I, and he wasn't might have available. Just pitched. He pitched 15 on Sunday. I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. That's weird. Um, you know, but the Rays also don't have Nick Anderson. You know, so like you get all these weird things going on. Uh, Adam Adovino has been struggling. Uh, is is he going to be good or not? Like, there's so many question marks up and down the bullpen. I trust neither bullpen. It's a push. I I'm going Rays in the bullpen. I think. I think it's pretty decisive. Um, I don't know. I, I look at Kittredge, Fairbanks, McHugh, and Robertson, and those guys are so good. Like, I know that, like, maybe the 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 tail end of the bullpen, you know, guys like Chargois, you know, uh, uh, you know, if Conley makes the roster, those are kind of like fringe guys. But I don't, I don't think those guys are really going to be the ones that pitch the bulk of meaningful innings. Um you know, it, it, I, I don't, I don't know. Like if you, if you insert Adam Adovino and Hansel Robles into the Rays bullpen, they're like the sixth and seventh best guys, you know? Oh yeah. So um, I think that the Rays have guys that can come into the fifth inning, sixth inning can finish off games, can pitch the first two innings. Um, I, whereas, you know, there are a lot of things to consider when it comes to the starting rotation. I think that, I think that the, the the Rays bullpen is decisively 
better than the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I think it's the Rays by a large margin in the bullpen, especially when you're talking everybody else. Again, if we're giving Boston everybody else besides those three for the bullpen, and we're giving everybody else for the Rays besides those three for the bullpen, I think it's the Rays by a fairly large margin. I think the the shakiness of the Rays bullpen is very overrated down the stretch. I think a lot of that is one guy has like a bad game and the next day a different guy has a bad game, but it's like one bad game. Even like Fire Ryzen, who we are like a little nervous about with the stuff, has actually put together like six or seven really strong performances in a row. Um, and then w- by comparison, Matt Barnes, who has been one of the better relievers for the Red Sox since August has an ERA of 9.26 and a FIP of 7.11. So the last two months of the season, Matt Barnes has been one of their worst relievers. So I actually look at, I'm excited about what the Red Sox can do to salvage that bullpen by using guys like Pavetta and Hauk. But I think overall it's the Rays. The Rays are the number one bullpen in baseball this year by most metrics. I think they continue that. Yeah, so so JP Fire Eyes and just to offer some context, who all of us left off our playoff bullpen, 2.45 ERA in 36 and two-thirds inning for the Rays. Now, if you dig into his metrics a little bit, you can understand why we all left him off. But th- that's still an important point. Like a guy with a 2.45 ERA is somebody that we're all leaving off of our playoff bullpen. Watch him be included and then like play a really important role. What do we know? He's, he's been very good down the stretch. So I, I think you could see that, but yeah, we'll see. So position, right. position. Are we, are we doing position groups or just starting lineup and bench? We're going starting like an hour and a half on this pod. I think <laughs> two more, two more. We're done. Starting lineup uh, and bench. Starting lineup. I go to the race. And this one I think is the most clear in the Rays' favor. Um, like I've said before, like this is a team like made up of hand-picked stars, Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, Randy Rosarain, and Nelson Cruz, in whatever order they're in, in the middle of a lineup. That's not that's leaving out G. Montroy, Austin Meadows, Mike Zanino. Um, that is a top three lineup in all of Major League Baseball. And the Red Sox, they had to, and I know part of this was due to injury, they're starting guys like Bobby Dalbeck and Christian Arroyo. The Rays don't have guys like that on their roster. Uh, Kevin Ploiecki was their starting catcher tonight. Um, no matter how you line, you know, the Rays line up, I think we know the the starting nine with maybe one platoon between Wendell Diaz and Luplo if they're facing a lefty. This Rays lineup is the best in the American League. I think I have I have something of a hot take here. Yeah, now, go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and choose the Rays for this, but I think it's closer than the bullpen is. And the reason I say that is because if we compare the Yankees to the Red Sox, yes, the, the, the Yankees have, you know, Stan and Gallo and judge and Rizzo and the Red Sox don't have that to that degree. But if you, if you compare starting lineups to what the Red Sox brought to the table tonight and what the Yankees brought to the table tonight, the Red Sox actually had more hitters that were above average than the Yankees did right now. The red, the Rays, scored the more runs than anybody in the American league. So obviously the edge goes to them. I think the, the, the Red Sox position player core, I think is, is pretty, is pretty underrated. I think the offense is pretty good. And I think, I think the outfield defense of Kike Hernandez, Alex Verdugo and Hunter Renfro is like 
obviously not as good as Phil Smurgo Kiermeyer, but it's pretty good. Wait, wait. So can and I it, can I do this real quick then? Can I go position by position real quick? Rapid fire. Okay, so uh, start with the catcher tandem. Your option is Christian Vasquez and Kevin Plawecki or Francisco Mejia and Mike Zanino. Raise. Raise. Raise, Raise all yes. day. First base, would you rather have Bobby Dalbeck or G-Man Choi? Raise. Right. Raise, G-Man. Uh, Brandon Lau or Christian? Bobby Ruiz? can't hit over 97 miles per hour fastball. He can't hit it. Right I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, in if we're talking about one game... We're talking a series. All right. Brandon Lau or Christian Arroyo? Raise again. Okay. It's all saying to make that question. Okay. So <laughs> third base is where it actually becomes a conversation. You've got Rafael Devers, who is yes. improving on defense this year, finally, or Joey Wendell. Slash Yandy Diaz. Slash. Slash Yandy Diaz. Yeah. Sure. I, I think Devers, obviously, Devers. is like, he is the best, I think, I think it's him or Lau for the best individual player mm-hmm. in this series. I think that's an interesting point. Franco. And yeah, I think I think I also lean toward uh, the Red Sox just at that third base position. For shortstop, you've got Xander Bogarts or Wander Franco. God, what a sexy, I'm taking what Franco, a sexy but I, I would That I is amazing. I wouldn't be offended if anyone picked Bogarts in the Red Sox. I'll, I'll, I'll go, Xander, I'll Xander, go Xander. Hold on. Z- yeah, I'm going Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts is a perennial 5-1 player. Like mm-hmm. we we yeah. we know what Wander Franco. We're talking just for is. right now, right now. We're not talking about like the rest of yeah. their careers. Yeah, we're yeah. we're talking we're talking about and uh, uh, I I think I think if we're comparing what their end careers could look like, that's that's a but but we're comparing Wander Franco, who yes, he's as good as he is, but he is a rookie, and we're talking about Xander Bogarts, who's who might be on a Hall of Fame track. And but, I will say this: I will say that in this series, I think you could see. Uh, Wander outperform Xander. I don't think I would be shocked if I saw that. But just no, me neither. On defense. This, yeah, this is this is I'll very also much me. I'm very much not dunking on Wander here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's but I, I think this one. I think this one is. I, I think Bogarts. I would give the edge to right now, but I could easily see this being because Danny mentioned it. Xander has kind of had a little bit of a struggle in the second half. I think you could. I think this is a series you could see Wander be the star in. But I, I'll I'll go Xander. I'm, okay. I'm taking Franco. I'll be the lone guy to take Franco. That's Thank fine. You. It's a push for me. Uh, Verdugo or Meadows? Uh, we, this year, I'm it's very close. vanilla. I'm very it's vanilla really close Meadows, this year, and I always have been. I mean, I'm, and, I mean, both of those dudes are as vanilla as like the yogurt you put your granola in. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll take I'll take Alex Verdugo. <sighs> this is a white. Um, <laughs> Center field, Kike Hernandez, both 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 had a both had an even two Fangraphs were this year. Yeah, so they're very so so there was there was no right answer for that question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no right answer generally. We're talking about the left fielder, Uh, center field, Kike Hernandez or Kevin Kiermaier. If I had to pick one, Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go the male model. Kevin Kiermaier. I, I mean, don't. Oh, KK, come on. KK's offense, though. Okay, I'll go. Has on. been great in the second half. He's he he always puts it on in the second half for some reason. Despite yeah, you mean you mean uh, you mean you mean league average bat Kevin Kiermaier. 
kill for league and, average and the base for running for no he was a 101 wrc plus kevin Kiel i know he, he but it's all the second half he like really like he's been oh, better yeah, than yeah. league average the second half to get there the, the, the sprint okay. speed on the bases kevin kiermeyer stretching bases i i don't know for me that's an easy kevin kiermeyer over all right right tk is pretty solid there but he was a nice pickup by boss was a four win player he was i'm looking at his i like hernandez yeah he was right field pretty good here comes right field. Fun. It's Randy Rosarena versus Hunter Redfro. Yeah, I go. I got Randy here. Randy, I got Randy. As Hunter's well. had a good season, but like he also, I feel like we as Rays fans are way over. Like, I think we have seen only just Hunter versus the Rays, and he's mm-hmm. been a terror versus the Rays, and been a solid player the rest of the year. Oh, and then the last one, the reinvented Kyle Schwarber at DH versus Nelson Cruz. Schwarber. Wow, that's tough. That's tough. That's really tough. I would it Schwarber. would it make any difference? If we move Schwarber to first base and have this be JD. Hurt ankle. An JD versus forty one. I mean JD Martinez, who has a sprained ankle, and we don't know if he's going to play. Right. I mean Nelson Cruz is forty one. Everything probably hurts. <laughs> and I, I'm just saying, I think I'll take I'll take Schwarber. I, I don't think that's a hot take to to take yeah. Schwarber. He's been very hot this year. It's not going to take a lot facing some guys like Drew Rasmussen and Shane Vaz with high-velocity fastballs uh, to put one in the seats. You, you just got to hope there's no one else on base. That's right. And, and then the rest of the bench, Margot Diaz, Phillips versus – hold on. I'm going to have to squint at this. Jonathan Arouse, Jaron Duran. And Travis Shaw. I'm going to give that yeah. one to the Rays, and we're not allowed to raise by raised by a lot. So, yeah, uh, how many of those did we give to the Red Sox? Third base, maybe shortstop, maybe left, maybe center field and DH. So, yeah, it seems kind of balanced. Yeah, we've got it. It seems like a couple you, are uh, strong Rays leaning. When you mix in the bench. When you mix in the bench, I think that's where the Rays position side can well, be. Particularly when we know the Rays are going to be platooning the mess out of this. Right. Diaz, Luplo, Phillips, Margot. Those guys will all play meaningful, have meaningful at-bats and play meaningful innings in this series where it's like, is Travis Shaw going to do a job off the bench for the Red Sox? Like, He's the one role? guy. He's that one guy off the bench that you're like, I'm worried about him. Like, and if, if you have Ploiecki, then it's Christian Vasquez off the bench that you'd be a little bit worried about. So like th- those are the two guys where you can be like, okay, that guy's coming up. We should be aware of him, but it's not necessarily, if you put in Christian Vasquez over Ploiecki, that's not like a humongous upgrade. I think they're both pretty solid players. So off of the bench, there is, it's a harder, I don't know. It's just a very, I, I think this is where the Rays have the big advantage is those platoons. I agree. All right, Unless Franchi Cordero comes out of nowhere. He could. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts, gentlemen? I just remembered Franchi Cordero exists. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I mean, this oh, it, I knew it was going to turn into an extra long episode, the first episode of the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast series. It's back. We're back. And, uh, and I'm sure there will be other episodes that go late into the night, especially for us East Coasters, Danny, Danny and myself. Uh, Brian and Darby get to enjoy some a few more hours before they need to go to sleep. But, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Gail DS Game 1 is Thursday. I'll be there, so uh, we have to figure out the podcast for that. Um, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great Rays postseason coverage. Thank you to Brian, Darby, and Danny for hopping on tonight. And we'll talk to you after ALDS Game 1.
Go Rays.